Hey everybody. So wanted to go over something that I've been trying that I've been looking into for a while. And kind of looking in different looking into different uh methods, looking into different tactics and positions and things like that that been running over my head and ways to dealing with them. And one of those positions is the guard. And the guard has been it's it's weird it's a weird subject of conversation because there's people who are for it there's people who are against it there's some people who are think it's not effective and there's some people who think it's all and it's shown varies i mean it varies it it varies the the uses vary so i wanted to go over the things of the guard and the way to deal with it the thing with the guard is the guard is what you would call a neutral position it's a position that can it's it's a position that really it doesn't it, it depends on who's who it depends on what either side does. It depends on what the opponent on the bottom does versus what the opponent on top does. It's it's a neutral position. It can go either or. It can help one or it can help the other. Either, either way, it it's neutral. So, one of the two ways to dealing with the guard is passing it or attacking and one of the ways and so we're going to go with kind of the first step so the first step would be passing um clearing the legs pressure passing as such you know clearing the legs grabbing the legs throwing them to the side move you know going to the side um uh, pressure passing would be driving your head into your opponent, pressuring them to the ground, you know, forcing them to cave to the pressure, you know, pretty much for making them open up their legs, helping you, you know, push on through, you know, helping you push on through. Um, there's a lot of examples of this. There's a lot of examples of these tactics. Uh, you can find them on YouTube. Two other examples are is there's the cartwheel pass, which is also another. It's more of a unorthodox pass. And then there's the jump, or I like to call it jumping, jumping over the guard, or jump the guard, or jump the guard, which means you, you pretty much jump. If your opponent's on their back, you jump over them, and pretty much attack them from where their head is at. Now you could either use this to either land a stomp, a punch, a knee, or an elbow. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wild tactic. It's you know. It, it is, you know, wild tactic, but it does work. Kazushi Sakuraba, um, he was known for doing this. Um, number two, and the thing is, this is actually an idea that I got from, because I have a Josh Barnett DVD. It's called Attacking the Guard. And this was an idea that I got from watching his DVD and then also studying Kazushi Sakuraba, listening, looking at a breakdown. And one of the things is that a lot of people don't do is attacking the guard now attacking the guard is pretty much you know it's one of multiple ways it usually when it comes to attacking the guard it's when you're dealing with an opponent that let's say you're having trouble passing um maybe you see there's more of an advantage you know in the position that you're in uh maybe you, you know that your opponent's trying to stall you know maybe your opponent's trying to use the position to stall or maybe they're trying to use that advance if you passing to either sweep or get back up you know something like that right it's usually on the lines of you know it usually on the it's usually on the lines of 
being in a position of uh, it's usually on the lines of your opponent using the position to either stall, get back up, or attack, or you know pretty much you or you finding or you finding more advantage in the position that you're in. It's usually exactly. So once again, it goes back to the same aspect of the neutral position and attacking the guard. It's kind of something that a lot of people don't do. Um, and it's something that there's been a lot of, there's been a couple of fighters who have done that. And what are the ways to attack the car, attack the guard is ground and pound. The number one thing, um, it's very common amongst MMA, um, stomps. That's another one, another tactic, uh, pretty much stomps, you know, that's another one, you know, picking your leg, you know, stomping on your opponent, stomping on their head, stomping on their stuff, stomping on their body, their chest, their stomach, things like that, um, stomping on their foot or their thigh, you know, that's also something I didn't really think about till just now, but that's also another tactic, um, sliding baseball kicks this was something used by kazushi sakuraba which you know was actually pretty effective i mean you just run and slide a kick right there into him you know or if you're in a street fight just run and do a sliding baseball kick right to the nuts that'll take him out um uh, and another big one kicks to the legs Kicks to the legs. A lot of people are going to find that very... Un people don't think it works, but trust me, it works. Kicks to the legs. You know, with your opponent being on their back, their legs are up. You know, kicking right to their thigh, right there where their ass and thigh are at. Right ass and thigh are at. And just pretty much just slamming your legs right into them. And, you know, over time, it's going to wear their legs down. Make it harder for them to defend the pass. Maybe make it harder for them to get up. You know, if you're trying to get them back up to the feet. You know, it's a another way of attacking the guard and of course the number one is leg locks leg locks and various submissions you know from chokes arm locks um just neck cranks just things like that um you know things like that that's also another big one and also another tactic that i just figured out is also an effective move is let's see hold on I gotta write it down is slams slams another effective way to attacking the guard um, perfect example of this uh, freaking perfect example of this Bob Sapp when he fought Noguera every time Noguera pulled guard he'd slam him um, Rampage Jackson, when he body slammed Arona, that's another example of it. Uh, just, you know, slams. Slams are effective. Slams are good. Um, GSP actually used a couple slams when he was on top and Matt Hughes was on the bottom and he was slamming Matt Hughes on the ground to break his grip. That's also another, you know, another good tactic. Slams are effective. Slams are a really effective tactic. So when dealing with the guard... There's two ways. There's the passing and there's the attacking. A lot of people prefer to pass than attack. And the thing is, is the problem with that is, is there's two, there's two problems with that is one, you know, if you're in a position where your opponent is in a, if you're in a position where you can attack, where you can attack, 
then why would you want to leave that position to attack? If I'm if I'm in a, if I'm in a position where I can lay lay down fire and brimstone, then there's no point in me leaving that position. But if there's a reason for me leaving leaving that position, maybe I can't do any sort of effective attack. I can't really do any sort of damage. Well, then of course the best option would be to pass that would be the best option to do it depends on what your opponent is the bottom is doing some opponents on the bottom usually like to tie their opponent and stall them and which is very common with guys who get taken down and then there's some who like to play kind of an open guard game where they like to where they like to kind of sit there and let their opponent try to pass and then use that as an opportunity to submit or sweep, which is something that Noguera would do. He played a very open guard game where there's some who played a very closed guard game like Hoist when he fought Ken Shamrock, when he fought Dan Severn, he used a very closed guard game and... In situations like that, as we saw, the best thing to do is to pretty much, you know, open them up, you know, make them pay for it, open them up as we've seen, you know, Tito Ortiz, he, you know, when he fought Mark Coleman, when guys would play a closed guard, he would hit them with ground and pound, he would punch the shit out of them, get them to open up, and, and things like that, so, one of the, to quote Carl Gotch, he said, and and I quote, and this is actually a great quote, if a jujitsu guy has you in his guard and you didn't break his leg with a leg lock, then you should quit wrestling forever. As, <laughs> as harsh as that quote is, I mean, he has a point. I mean, you shouldn't be falling into guys' guard like that and not making him pay for it. I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, I mean, you shouldn't do that at all. I mean... I mean, you, you shouldn't really do that at all. I mean, <laughs> but the, the the idea is, you know, the the idea, the idea is, is, you know, the that position should not be a position to hinder you. And I think that's what he means by that is, you should make your opponent pay for the positions that they try to pull, for the tactics that they try to use. You know, not sit there and let them get away for doing something like intentionally falling to their back. Not a smart move, which is what, yeah, I think Carl Gotch was insinuating, um, but a good point. So when looking at it, there was three guys who have embodied these tactics. Um, Kazushi Sakurabo, Fedor Melaneko, and Josh Barnett. Of course, there are others like, you know, Mark Coleman, uh, Tito Ortiz, uh, you know, um, Frank Shamrock when he fought Alan Goes. Uh, of course, like I said, Rampage. But I'm focusing on these three because these guys are kind of the ones that really embodied the tactics that I've talked about. And the first one I said was Kazushi Sakuraba. Kazushi Sakuraba, he was a guy, you know, he did a lot of wild things. Now, the thing was, is he wasn't good at passing. That is true. Now, the, like, the misconception with Kazuki Sakuraba, Kazushi Sakuraba was, excuse me, the thing with Kazuki Sakuraba was, the misconception with him was he always had problems with the guard. 
And that's actually not true. He didn't have problems with the guard. He just chose to attack the guard instead of pass it. Yes, did he do try did he try to pass? Did he try to pass and attempt to pass? Yes, he did. He absolutely tried to pass. But it goes to the same aspect. It's like, you know, if your opponent is giving the high ground, you know, why not take advantage of it? And that's what Sakuraba did. It wasn't that he had a hard time passing the guard. He just chose to attack it more than pass it because it was like, well, you're falling to your back giving me the high ground anyway, so I might as well take advantage of this while I, while I can. And yes, he did, he would opt to pass sometimes, you know, he would, you know, depending on the opponent or the situation, but he, you know, he had no pr trouble passing. But he definitely did a lot of, but he spent a lot of time attacking the guard instead of passing it, which, which, which in turn, like I said, is, is a good tactic. I mean, it goes, it goes to show, I mean, it goes to show you how the, he was the, he was the IQ wrestler. He was the definition of the IQ wrestler because choosing to attack the guard instead of pass it, you know, was a very, was more effective than trying to pass the guard because that was kind of what the the whole tactic of what a lot of the jiu-jitsu guys he faced were trying to do. They were trying to bait him on the ground to stall, you know, or maybe, you know, get him to make a mistake to where they can kind of catch him in a submission or get him on a sweep, which is primarily what most of pretty much what a lot of jiu-jitsu guys do. So him taking that taking that advantage of having the high ground, you know, taking advantage of it favored him. You know, and that's kind of where people seem to kind of get, they kind of misconceive, you know, the whole of him dealing with fighters who would pull guard was they all assume that, you know, he had problems with fighting guys who would pull guard. Well, it wasn't that. It was just he chose to attack it. He knew that, you know, passing the guard, the, the, he knew that if he spent time passing the guard, most of the time these guys were either going to stall or they were just going to try to use it to sweep or, you know, throw, throw up a triangle or whatever it was. So he said, well, I'm just going to stay on the high ground and pretty much stay on top and just beat your lights out because that's what you're trying to do you're trying to bait me in you know and i'm not gonna do that you know i'm not gonna do that at all but like i said he did pass he did pass there were moments where he did pass but he spent more time attacking than passing which you know makes a lot of sense um, especially when you know your opponent is baiting you. They're trying to get you to fall into their guard so they can either stall, sweep, or submit, possibly. Um, another, so moving forward, the second person who embodied the whole attacking the guard was Fedor. Fedor Melenenko had some of the most devastating ground and pound that I've ever did see. And when he fought, you know, Noguera, who had one of the best guards in MMA, Fedor exposed it tremendously. You know, Noguera always liked to play a very open guard. You know, he was always a guy who played, you know, very open guard game. He was, you know, always like throwing up his legs, attacking, you know, always rolling, looking to sweep or submit. Fedor, you know, instead of trying to pass, instead of trying to play the game of passing, which is what, you know, which is what most fighters would do, he did the same thing as, you know, he did the same thing as what, that's kind of what it, the whole takes, and 
the same thing with like Sakuraba. You know, he knew that Nogueira likes to play a guard game. He likes to play this game of here, come to my guard, I'm open, try to pass, try to do all that shit. And once again, Fedor was having none of it. He's like, why waste my time trying to pass when I can just sit here and, you know, punch your lights out? You know, I could just sit here and hit you. I mean, and that's pretty much what he did. I mean, and for any of you that saw the fight, you pretty much know. And that's for what well, they fought three times, but the first fight showed it. And that's pretty much one of the tactics that I talked about using grounded power. You know, when an opponent is pl trying to play the guard game, you attack or you pass one of the two, depending on it, it depends on what your opponent is trying to achieve. It, you know what your opponent on the bottom is, is trying to genuinely achieve. Are they trying to excuse me? Are they trying to stall? You know, are they? You know, are they trying to stall? Are they trying to, you know, are they trying to play a more open guard game where they, you know, try to catch you on a sweep or a submission? Or are they trying to tie you up and keep you kind of control your posture? That way they can work a submission. It depends on what, you know, it depends on what type of, it depends not just on the guard, but what type of guard your opponent's playing. The, you know, the open guard or the closed guard. Like with Sakuraba, most of his opponents were trying to play a more closed guard game. So they could tie him up, kind of stall, you know, to hope, you know, stall and kind of hope that he would make a mistake. Where in O'Gara's case, when he fought Fedor, he played a more open guard game because he was looking to try to sweep. He was looking to try to catch you on a submission. He was trying to, you know, he was playing a more open guard game to sweep or catch you on a submission. And that was kind of where the game was, that's kind of where the game would go, where it was like, you know, both guys read the writing on the wall, and both guys not once fell for it. And those are the, you know, that's, and, you know, that's the second one. The third is, of course, Josh Barnett. Now, Josh Barnett, he is the example of what I would like to say, the pressure passing. He puts a lot of pressure on guys, you know, to, you know, when he's grappling. Perfect example of this is when he fought Noguera. He fought Noguera. He beat Noguera to a decision. And he's tapped out Dean Lister. And I was just watching it. When pressure, and this, those, this goes back to the same tactic that I said before, is sometimes your opponent, if you're, if you're dealing with an opponent, it depends on the guard and what your opponent is tent, intent is. Sometimes sitting in their guard and trying to tap, trying to attack is not a good move because your opponent is trying is you you know because sometimes the thing is with sometimes your opponent it's sometimes your opponent has a great defense you know so a lot of jujitsu fighters you know. I, not all of them, but some of them have a great defense. They keep a very good, solid guard. They don't allow themselves to, you know, they defend themselves well with attacks. They defend, you know, and a lot of times they use the opportunity. And just like what we were saying with, you know, Noguera, you know, some fighters, they use the opportunity of playing that open guard or kind of a more... They use the distance to kind of help them, you know, reach for things and go for submissions or sweeps and stuff like that. 
And for for example, was with Dean Lister. Dean Lister, in the case in the case, it goes back with your intent. Dean Lister likes to play, you know, more of this open guard. You know, he likes to kind of play like this open guard. He likes to move around, roll. He likes to kind of sit there and and kind of stall you out almost there's a lot of times where he'll sit there and he'll give his arm give his leg up to you know give you you know give his arm give his leg up to kind of tie you up stall you out and then get get for a sweep or submission that pretty much same thing bait you in you know and Josh Barnett is the perfect example of you know pressure passing you know he used his pressure he used to you know he used his pressure he controlled the legs he you know pretty much the examples of what I mean by passing he controlled the legs he pressured he threw the legs to the side he controlled the legs um, he drove his head right into you know you know Dean Lister he kept the pressure going he never let up which didn't allow Dean to really get comfortable and really kind of use that open guard as much as you wanted to and as I said before, this goes back to the same of the same thing is recognizing your opponent's intent. You know, sometimes you it, recognizing your opponent's intent. You know, sometimes when it, when an opponent likes to play the guard game, most of them they want to sit there and stall, or they're trying to bait you in so they can either get an attack or a sweep. And usually it's and as we said before, as I said before, with Fedor and Kazuya Sakuraba, they recognize what their opponent's doing. They recognize that that okay, you're just trying to get me in and tie me up here so you can, you know, so you can sit here, tie me up, and stall, and then get hopefully I get a mistake, and then. Then, of course, on Fedor's case, he knew that Noguera was trying to play more of an open guard game. So that way he can try to, you know, sweep or submit, you know, and where Fedor was like, well, you're not going to sit here. Well, you're not going to do that to me, man. I'm just going to sit here and punch your lights out. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm going to sit here and punch your lights out. I'm not going to play this open guard game, you know, and that's kind of where it goes into grappling versus being violent you know if i'm gonna grapple then yes i'm gonna pass you know then i'm gonna pass or more so the gentle way versus the violent way the gentle way i'm more gonna be more so i'm gonna more pass i'm gonna kind of establish pressure pin you to the floor where the violent way is i'm gonna punch i'm gonna knee i'm gonna kick i'm gonna go for various submissions and i'm just gonna pressure you all at the same time until you break Josh Barnett did that to Dean Lister. Dean Lister was a guy who likes to, you know, he likes to play off of his back. He likes to bait guys in to go for submissions to pass his guard. Because what he likes to do is he likes to bait, he likes to catch him, he likes to bait them in so he can catch him on a submission or a sweep. You know, does the same thing. But Josh Barnett, recognizing it, did a good job of establishing the pressure. You know, doing what I, doing what I said before. You know, establishing the pressure, keeping the pressure going on. You know, making you know making things uncomfortable for Dean. You know, smothering him. You know, going for different attacks as well. You know, going for different attacks as well. It wasn't just you know he was just pressuring. He was also attacking with stuff. And so, that's actually not even just a good example of pressure and clearing the legs, but that's also a good example of him. Him, 
you know, attacking the guard as well because he wasn't just pressuring and passing, you know, he, you know, or I'm sorry, he wasn't just pressuring or trying to clear the legs. He was also attacking. He was going after Dean's arms. He was going after, you know, he was going after submissions at the same time. So, you know, with Josh Barnett, you know, when he faced Dean Lister, he kept the pressure. He cleared the legs. He made it, you know, he didn't allow Dean to play his guard game. You know, he didn't He didn't allow Dean to play his guard game. He knew if he sat there and he let Dean work his guard and, you know, get comfortable and, you know, and things like that, you know, he would, you know, he knew to play his guard game and get comfortable and things like that. He knew he would get submitted, so he knew he had to clear the legs. He knew that in order for him to do any work he had to clear the legs there's some fighters where clearing the legs is not the where clearing the legs is the best option there's some situations like that as i said before it depends on your opponent's intent you know and recognizing what your opponent's game is especially if there's somebody that likes to pull guard they want to, you know, some guys, they'll sit, you know, they have a good defense where they can kind of negate whatever it is you're doing and then, you know, negate whatever you're doing. So then you have to pass. You have to, you know, you have to pass to do further damage because let's say you can't do it, you know. And this was kind of like what, what Dean was doing with, you know, Josh Barnett, where he was trying to play his guard game, kind of stall Josh Barnett and get him to pretty much open up so he can sweep or submit him, you know, to, and, you know, Josh Barnett. He, you know, he used his pressure. He cleared the legs. He smothered Dean. He didn't allow Dean to tie him up and stall and, you know, get him to, you know, to tie him up and stall and get him to make a mistake. He continued the pressure. He cleared those legs. You know, he didn't allow Dean to tie him up. And that was, you know, and, and like I said, it goes back to the intent of what you're doing, you know, and that's, that's, that's exactly, and that's kind of the same thing when you're looking at Kazuji Sakuraba and Josh Barnett is Josh Barnett chose to pass and clear the, he chose to use pressure and clear the legs. He chose to pass, use pressure, clear the legs, sorry about that. And Kazuji Sakuraba chose to attack the guard because both guys knew that their opponent was just trying to tie them up to to stall them out to tie them up so they can get them to make a mistake. Whereas Fedor, he knew that if he tried to pass the legs, Nogueira was just gonna try to sweep or submit him. So he hunkered down and stayed in this position. Both three, all three guys are the examples of attacking and passing. Um, Josh Barnett, you know, is both. All three guys are an example of attacking and passing. You know, an example, another way of attacking the guard is also slams. Slams are extremely effective. As we've seen in many grappling tournaments and even in MMA, slamming is an effective, is an effective tactic when an opponent pulls guard or jumps guard on you. And to quote, and I have to say, you know, Travis Stevens has a good point. If you're allowed to jump guard, you should be allowed to slam. It shouldn't be you're allowed to jump guard and I can't do anything about it. And, you know, wholeheartedly agree. The guard is... The guard is not... The, the thing with the guard is, it's not as tricky as a lot of people believe. And the thing is, is... And the thing is, is a lot of people tend to kind of 
the thing with jujitsu is jujitsu is the only art that seems to emphasize on it. They use it as an actual position, you know, where, how, how do I put this? They util, they kind of use the, in a way they utilize the position or enact the position where when you look at judo or catch wrestling or sambo, they don't really try, they don't try to enact the position. They train the position, they know what to do in that position, but they don't actively seek it or try to initiate it. Where jujitsu is the only martial art that seems to try to initiate the guard. And the thing is, don't get me wrong, there's people who had success, but as we've seen in the past, when we see the great jujitsu guys who, you know, get into the ring, they all seem to fall to these type of tactics, whether it's from, from the pressure, clearing the legs, or straight attacking, they all seem to have trouble with this, and this is pretty, and this is the, this is the main weakness of the guard. The one thing you have to know is, all three of those guys are the examples of what to do when facing the guard attack pass one of the two one of the two options and you have to understand that these guys they their their experience their their iq their is the reason why they were so is 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 why they're at the level that they're at or they were at the level that they're at um the guard i sounds like i'm rambling but the the thing with there, there's a lot of good guard players, but the one thing you want to know is you don't want to actively seek the bottom. You should know what to do. You should know how to fight off your back. There's no doubt about that. You should know how to fight off your back, but you should not actively seek fighting off your back. You shouldn't seek pull. You shouldn't seek fighting from the bottom. If anything, if you're going to do an attack, if you're going to attack from the bot, if you're going to do something from the bottom, you should either look. Your, then it should be. It should be to either roll your opponent over like if you're going for a throw or you know you're looking for a submission somehow you you know you're jumping guard you know you're if you're going to you know do something that requires you falling to your back it should be either to attack whether it's you know rolling your opponent over or throwing up a submission you know jumping like i said jumping attacks like jumping you know jumping arm bars jumping triangles flying kimuras you know you should if you're going if you're going to like exactly you know, that's what you should do. You know, you shouldn't be actively falling to your back just for the sake of falling to your back. If you do, you know, if you do, you know, fall to your back and you end up in that position, then you should do either two things, attack or get back up. And if you're going to do something that requires you falling to your back, you should either, it should either be to attack, whether it's rolling your opponent over or going for a submission. You shouldn't actively seek the bottom to play the position. That's just, to me, it, I find that very dumb. And it's a criticism of jiu-jitsu. But all in all, you know, these three guys are the three that example of what to do when facing the guard, you know, and, you know, and I feel like I didn't really break down Josh Barnett, Dean Lister, but with what with, with Dean Lister and Josh Barnett, the thing, like I said before, is it's about recognizing the type of guard game that your opponent is trying to play. Are they playing a more open guard? Or are they playing a more closed guard? You know, where, and that's kind of what 
you know, Josh Barnett recognized. He recognized that Dean was trying to play a more closed guard game where he was trying to wrap him up and, you know, wrap him up so he can either sweep or submit him. And that is why, you know, Josh Barnett put the pressure on and cleared the legs the way he did because he knew if Dean Lister wrapped his legs around him, that would be it. You know, he knew he couldn't just sit there. He had to clear the legs, keep keep Dean Lister flat. Whereas with Sakuraba's case, well, it was also because they were in MMA, he chose to just attack full on by going for leg locks, you know, ground and pound kicks and all the whole nine yards because just like what Josh Barnett realized with Dean Lister, he knew that his opponents were trying to tie him up, you know, trying to tie him up, stall, and, you know, get it hopefully and get him to make a mistake where in the case of Fedor Fedor you know Nogueira played a more open guard and so Fedor instead of trying to you know you know played a more open guard and in Fedor instead of trying to pass sat there and hit him with ground and pound because he knew that you know Nogueira was playing a more open guard so he was looking more of to trying to catch Fedor on a sweep or a submission. He was pretty much trying to, to, you know, to bait him in. And once again, Fedor recognized that. And that's where it is. And that's the type of thing. And that's one of the key factors in recognizing what that's one of the key factors when dealing with the guard. It's, it's, it's recognizing your opponent's intent. That's one of the major factors of when dealing with the guard. You want to recognize your opponent's intent. Are they playing an open guard? Are they playing a closed guard? You know, another thing to note is you also have to understand, you know, what are you in? Are you in grappling or are you, you know, grappling or is it an MMA? Of course, you know, the the concept is still the same, but the approach is different. With grappling, which, you know as we saw with Josh Barnett, it's the thing with that is, is of course you can't strike. There's no, there's no way of striking or things like that. So what do you do? Well, that doesn't mean you can't attack with submissions. That doesn't mean you can't attack with pressure passing. You know, you could pressure pass just like you do in MMA, but the, the tactics still, the, the concepts are still the same. You could still attack just this time you're attacking with submissions. As we saw with Josh Barnett, he wasn't just, you know, as I said before, he wasn't just, you know, trying to pass. He was also attacking the guard as well, going for things like grabbing the toes, going for, you know, the Kimura, going for arm locks and things like that. You know, he and, you know, and so the concept is still the same. It's just the approach is different. When you're in MMA, of course, strikes are available. So now you have kind of more tools to use it to open up and initiate whatever tactics you're trying to initiate, whether you're trying to pass or you're just trying to attack. Of course, you you know, you have a little more, you have more, little more tools available. But all in all, it's about one of the things with dealing with the guard is recognizing your opponent's intent and recognizing what setting you're going to be in. Are you fighting in a grappling setting? Or are you fighting in a in an MMA setting? You know, I mean, are you in a street fight? That's also another big thing. I mean, recognizing recognizing the environment you're in or the situation, the situation, environment that you're in, you know, um, 
just all around, you know, is the one of the key things. And that's actually a big one, which I'm going to cover in another topic when it talks about, you know, martial arts and the use of environment and things like that. But all in all, you know, the steps to beating the guard are two things. It's either passing or attacking. And a lot of people don't necessarily try to attack. They spend more time trying to pass. And there's nothing wrong with trying to pass. But you have to understand there's just some opponents who are in some ways trying to stall. You know, they're trying to stall. Or there's some opponents who are, as we've seen, they're playing a very open guard game. So they're trying to bait you in so they can either sweep or submit you. You know, it, it's one of those things. It's So it's one of those things where you have to recognize, okay, if I can't pass, then I need to attack. I need to, you know, go for submissions, go for a leg lock, work arm locks, work, you know, um, you know, work, you know, head attacks like chokes and neck cranks, um, the, you, you know, and things like that. And then sometimes in some cases you have to do both as in the case with Josh Barnett, when he faced Dean Lister, you know, he did both. He wasn't just also, you know, trying to pass. He was also attacking. He was working for submissions at the same time, clearing the legs, pressuring Dean Lister because, you know, Dean Lister, you know, is the guy who, you know, once he wraps you up, that's it. He's a guy that likes to do kind of he's he's a guy that likes to do both he likes to bait you in and at the same time stall you know he likes to at the same time stall he likes to wrap you up you know tie get you to make a mistake and then pretty much sweep and you know he likes to bait you in wrap you up get you to make a mistake or you know where he can sweep or submit you it's a like i said it's it's a combination of it's a it's a combination of you know both it's a combination of both tactics when it comes to both the open guard and the closed guard, but um you know but but all in all you know Josh Barnett showed what to do, but yeah these are the three these are the three people who embodied it, um and these are the two steps on how to deal with it and the variations of those steps, um. I will be also covering the variation of the steps. The next one that we're going to talk about is the grappling styles on how they deal with the guard. Not just the fighters, but the grappling styles. From sambo to judo to catch wrestling. And their concepts and their ideas on when dealing with the guard, especially from whether it's full or half guard, whether it's full or closed guard. Um, they're... There's also, I would say half guards in there too, just guard in general, but, um, you know, just dealing, you know, just dealing with the guard in general, but exactly. That's definitely something that that is the next, not just, so we've covered the fighters. Now we're going to cover the styles, you know, the three styles that I'm talking about are catch wrestling, Sambo and judo. And how do their, how do they deal with the guard and their methods and their tactics? And, you know, how can you use them, whether you're grappling or doing MMA or any of this, or just any type of fight, you know, and how to apply them. So when talking about the when talking about the guard, right? So pretty much this is the second part of it. And to kind of briefly give you a 
idea of part of what the first half was, we're pretty much talking about the guard because the first part I spent more rambling, so this may help clear it up a little bit. Um, we're talking about the guard and ways to deal with it. And the one thing that people have to understand is the guard is a neutral position. It's not a position that really favors either or specifically. It can go either way, but it's not favored specifically for one side. Um, there are two wheels. There are two ways to dealing with it. Um, one of them being passing, the other one being attacking. Now the two. Now when it comes to passing, there are two ways. You either clear the legs or you put a lot of pressure. Um, when it comes to attacking, you use. There are a, multiple ways, um, from strikes to submissions, um, even slams. Uh, slams are effective. You know. Carl Gotch, you know, he had an interesting point, and he said that if a jiu-jitsu guy has you in his guard and you didn't break his leg with a leg lock, then you should quit wrestling forever. And as harsh as that sounds, he's right, because you shouldn't you should not make your opponent pay for initiating a position. If your opponent is initiating position is if your opponent is initiating a position, you should make him pay for it. You shouldn't, you know, whether it doesn't, even if it's not an initiating position, you know, let's say it's going for a submission, you should make your opponent pay for trying to go for that submission. And the three fighters that showed these two concepts or, you know, ideas was, though the three fighters, I'm sorry, were Kazushi Sakuraba, Fedor Melanenko, and Josh Barnett. Sakuraba, with the misconception with him was he had trouble passing the guard, but that's not necessarily true. He he opted to attack it more than pass it, and as I said before, you know when attacking it, there was a lot more options when attacking it than passing it, and the reason why he chose to attack was a lot of the guys that he faced, which were mainly jujitsu guys, were pretty much pulling guard to stall and ride the clock with the hopes that, you know, he'll make a mistake and, and things like that. Where Sakuraba, you know, he was, he was having none of that. And so instead of going to the ground and trying to work a pass, he just said, I'm just going to stay up top where I'm at in this position and just rain down fire and brimstone. And that's exactly what he did. Um, with Fedor, it was almost the same thing, but the reasoning was different. Now, with Fedor, he was facing Nogueira, and Nogueira, Nogueira likes to play, you know, he would like to play, he played more of an open guard game, where he would sit there and open, and he his legs were open, he never really tied you up, he would roll, go for submissions, go for sweeps, constantly rolling, never, you know, he never really played a closed guard, he always played an open guard. And Fedor recognizing that, you know, trying to pass his guard was pretty much going to be a problem, sat there and just hit him with ground and pound. You know, just he chose to attack instead of trying to pass because he recognized that Nogueira was playing an open was playing an open guard game and was trying to pretty much bait him in so he can, you know, catch him in a submission. He can catch him in a, you know, or in a sweep. Josh Barnett, you know, um, when he faced Dean Lister, and that's the that's the fight that I mostly remember. I remember he faced Nogueira, but it's been a while since I watched that. 
when he faced Dean Lister, it was, you know, for him, due to the fact that he was in a grappling, he wasn't, he, he wasn't fighting him in MMA, so he didn't really have the options of striking, chose to use more of a pressure pass and clearing the legs because, as we said before, Dean was playing a guard game, and Dean likes to tie you up, kind of stall, and just, you know, ride you out until you make a mistake. You know, now, you, you know, now, all three pretty much used, all three used these concepts effectively and have showed that they've had great success, whether you're in grappling or in MMA. Um, now, moving in the second part, you know, we're talking about the various styles that each of these fighters have showed, which is catch wrestling, sambo, and judo, Kazushi Sakuraba and Josh Barnett being catch wrestling, and Fedor being Sambo and Judo. When you look at the dealings with the guard, one of the things that they all have in common, all three of them, in terms with the styles, is that they all they all prefer to attack more than pass. And the reason for this is because, um, for one on one side, is catch wrestling and Judo you know, they, they go for the pin that, you know, one of the ways to win in their competitions is, is by pinning your opponent to the floor. You know, of course, Sambo, you know, it's a mixed martial art. It's not a, it's not a grappling art or a striking art. It's a mixed martial art. You know, they opt to, you know, they're trying to decimate their opponent as quickly and efficiently as possible. So, you know, for them, it's kind of so pretty much almost in the same aspect, but like I said, their concepts the same, you know, approach is different. Yeah, so their approach is different. And, you know, so when you look, you know, and one of the reasons, so for judo, one of the reasons why they opt to attack for them is mainly because of the pinning. And the second is if you go to Olympic judo, they, you know, they don't, they have a time limit. And because they have a time limit, they don't really have a lot of time to try to work a pass. They have to just attack, go for the submission, go for the pin. And even in, even in freestyle judo, where there is an opinion, where it, where there isn't a time limit, you know, where there isn't a time limit, it's the same thing. You know, they still opt to go right for the submission. They're still going straight for the pin. You know, they're not trying to waste time, you know, trying to pass because they're trying to go for the kill. You know, it's, it's just, it's way more, you, you know, it's way more effective to go for the kill than trying to pass because your opponent is just going to just keep tying you up at this point. So that's one of the things that, so that's one of the things. And with catch, you know, they don't have a time limit, but the thing is, you know, they still opt to go for the kill. They go for the pin. They go for the submission. They're not trying to, you're not, they're not trying to pass They're you know, they're just trying to attack. Now, does that, does that mean they can't pass? No, they know how to pass just like judo knows how to pass, but they want to, they want to get you, they want to get their opponent out of there as quickly as possible. You know, they're not trying to, you know, 
they're not trying to waste time and make this a long drawn out battle. Now they understand that these battles can take a while, but they're not going to they're not they're not going to actively seek it the way jujitsu would actively seek a long drawn out battle where they're sitting there waiting for their opponent to make a mistake. You know, judo and catch, they're just attack, attack, attack. You know, yes, we know how to pass, but it's just more efficient to attack. You know, it's more efficient to attack because then, you know, you're not wasting time and you'll get your opponent out of there as quickly as possible without, you know, without having to worry about any further damage. And, you know, they're right. With Sambo, Sambo is pretty much in that same concept where they choose to attack rather than focus on passing. Now they do know how to pass, but when you watch them, when they show their variations of passing the guard, it's always in some form of attack. You know, there it's, it's all, it's always in some form of attack. Doesn't matter what it is. And, and the reason for that is just like with judo and catch, they're trying to take their opponent out as quickly and efficiently as possible because they don't want to be in, they, they, they don't want to be in this long fight with their opponent. They're not trying to sit there and be in this huge, you know, they're not trying to be in this huge war. They're looking, they're, they want to take out their opponent. You know, they're not trying to just knock them away or stall or hold them off. They want to get them out of there. You know, be in mind, this is, you know, this is kind of like, because this is pretty much the concept of Sambo, to eliminate your opponent as quickly and efficiently as possible. You know, it was a martial art that was derived from war. So, you know, it only makes sense. But, the three things that these styles have in common is they choose to attack more than pass. And now for some, of course, it's because of the time limit. You know, for some, some would say with judo is because of the time limit. Some would say it's because the style well, scratch that. Now, whether it's because of the time limit, because one style derived from war, one style has a time limit, the other one, you know, likes to, you know, one of them, one style has pinning. It doesn't really matter because they all look for this. Their, their concept is still the same. You know, it's still the same. Their approaches may be a little bit different, but it's all the same. They're all looking to attack. Do they know how to pass? Yes. Do they, do they, is that what they prefer? No. Um, they are aware of it. They practice it, but they prefer to attack because, you know, when they prefer to attack because they want to get their opponent out of there as quickly as possible. They want to, you know, they don't want to sit there and play this game of who makes the mistake. They want to try, they're trying to initiate, a re, they're trying to initiate a reaction. They, you know, they're trying to, like I said, they're trying to initiate a reaction. They're not trying to wait for a reaction. They're trying to create a reaction because the sooner you could create a reaction, the, the more opportunities you have, the sooner you get an opportunity to take out your opponent. You know, that, that's, that's the end game. And that's what judo, sambo, and catch wrestling hall have in common is that they're focused on creating these reactions so they could take out their opponent as as soon as possible whereas jiu-jitsu is kind of more of waiting for reactions now they know how to pass it's just they prefer more to attack 
and that's and that's kind of the and that's and that's that's where they're the same but and that's where they differ with jujitsu and these concepts and and we've seen kind of the styles and the concepts all in and we've seen these styles and these concepts through mma and even grappling as i described but there's other fighters who have shown this too you know um ronda rousey for a period of time showed that you know uh, carl parisian hector lombard you know there was judo players who showed that you know there was catch wrestlers who showed that you know um frank shamrock frank shamrock ken shamrock maury smith um uh who was with boss rootin they example they 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 were examples of the of these styles you know of course we same thing you know Sorry, we have Fedor, we have Khabib, Zabit, um, pretty much almost every Russian fighter ever. <laughs> but they were examples of this. Because, you know, they're all prime examples of this. That, you know, for one, you don't need jiu-jitsu to be good on the ground. And number two is there's just more than one way to dealing with the guard. And then just doing the simple, you know, passing and clearing the legs. Now... As we've seen, these styles do know how to pass and do know how and know how to clear the legs, but these styles prefer but these styles prefer more to attack and create reactions because if you can create a reaction, the sooner you can take out your opponent. And that's what these three styles present. And that's what these three styles show when dealing with the guard. Um, all in all. All in all, so when looking at these, so when you're looking at these three styles, all of them, their concept is the same: attack, don't stall, don't play the don't don't play the position, attack or get up, or don't don't play the position. Sorry, I'm not talking about being the bottom. I'm talking about them being on top. If you look at all three styles, all three styles, the the philosophy is the same: you attack or you pass. You know, if you can't pass, you attack. If you attack. If you can't attack, you pass. Either way, you don't waste time. You you know you don't waste time. You go for it. Don't try to stall or any of the sort. With you know, any of the sort, sorry. And yeah, that's about it. You know the guard. The guard is not as tricky as everyone likes to believe. And it's a very, it's, I mean, the guard is not as tricky and you're not as, and the thing about the guard is, is you're very vulnerable in the guard. And that's another thing that these fighters and styles have another thing in common is that they expose the guard. They expose that the guard is not as safe. It's a very vulnerable position as well. Even though, yes, it is a neutral position, it's also a very vulnerable position for the guy on bottom. You know, as we saw with Noguera, you know, yes, he submitted a lot of people, but look at the damage he took. Yes, you know, a lot of these guys were able to, you know, you know, were able to kind of not stall but hold off because of Sakuraba. But look at the damage that they took, you know. Um, Josh Barnett, when he faced, you know, Dean Lister, look at all the, the beating he took, you know, playing the guard game. You know, the guard is a neutral position, but it's also a vulnerable position for the guy on the bottom. You know, it favors, you know, it's a neutral position, but it is a very vulnerable position for the guy on the bottom as well. And that's another thing to note that, you know, playing the bottom game is a very dangerous game, even though, yes, it's neutral because, you know, 
some opponents have a crappy bottom game and then there's some opponents who have a crappy top game but it's all but it's but if you look at who's more vulnerable it's more vulnerable for the person on the bottom because they're exposed to whatever comes their way and that's something to note when fighters are faced when fighters opt to play guard and that's something that these styles you know from judo to sambo to capstone and all the way to the fighters who have used these styles like sakuraba barnett and you know fedor they've used you know they've shown these vulnerabilities in the guard and why and you know through in the guard with the styles that people you know wouldn't think would be effective in mma but or even in grappling and they've proven it time and time and again so all in all this concludes the guard and pretty much what i was talking about i mean hopefully i got the point across i mean hopefully i described it well this is kind of a spur in the moment thing but um i really you know i really hope you get the idea and i hope you know people understand so pretty much to brush up it's you know the guard it's a neutral position but it's also a vulnerable it's a neutral position for both it but it's also it doesn't fit sorry sorry about that sorry about that but pretty much to brush it up the guard it's a neutral position for both sides but it's also a vulnerable vulnerable position mainly from the bottom you know two ways to dealing with it is either passing or attacking with passing it's you know clearing the legs putting pressure attacking it's submissions or strikes the fighters that we saw were Sok- that utilized this were Sakuraba, Josh Barnett, and Fedor and Melanenko. And the styles that have, you know, pretty much come up with these concepts are or have shown that are that have yes, that have pretty much come up with these concepts are judo, sambo, and catch wrestling. And all of them of which have shown that, you know, attacking the guard has is in some ways is more effective than trying to pass it and all those styles seem to and all three styles seem to prefer this and seem to have that very much in common that they'd rather attack than pretty rather than and all these styles pretty much have that pretty much in common in the fact that they'd rather attack than pass and that's something that is something to look at and study and i think that's some that's a point that i think a lot of people should start looking at and i think it's something that's very overlooked when it comes to grappling in mma a lot of people think when it comes to the guard all you have to do is pass but really that's not the case you know you can really just attack it and these fighters and these styles have shown it and they all share that very much in common but yes this is pretty much how to deal with the guard you know or at least the just the main closed and open guard um i'm probably gonna start going over dealing with i'm gonna start dealing with other variations of the guard um looking at the rubber guard the half guard uh all the i mean jujitsu's got some weird fucking guards now so all of which i'm gonna look at not just the guards but also the history because a lot of these guards are guards that have stemmed from judo, but once again, concepts the same, the approach is different. So both, you know, so each one both have the same concept, but their approaches are different. And 
pretty much I'm going to be looking into, you know, all these guards, the history, break them down. What what's the difference between how one style uses them versus the other style, and how pretty much how you would, you know, how to deal with that, especially if you're dealing with a jujitsu person, because jujitsu people seem to use these guards more often than the other styles that have incorporated grappling or other grappling styles in general. So, um, yeah, this is just pretty much the first part of, you know, my guard, pretty much my guard breakdown. Um, yeah, the, sorry of the rambling. Um, I was just, there was a lot to process a lot of, a lot of, like, a lot is going through my head with this. There's so much information. I may have a part two to this where it gives a better explanation more clearly and I'll probably add more to it, you know, where not just where I review and dive more into dealing with the guard, but also dealing with the other guards types of guards as well from X full worm and half and things like that. And so yeah, this is, um, but yeah, thank you very much.